I join with Pastor Rodica in saying thank you all for your service, your time, the uh, energies, the um, sacrifices that you made in serving our country. Thank you so much. We do appreciate it, and we don't take our freedom for granted. Uh, no more than, let me tell you what, the freedom that we have that comes through Jesus Christ, we shouldn't take for granted either. Amen. That was the greatest soldier of all, hung on a cross and gave his very life for us. For there is no greater love than someone lay down their life for their friend. And Jesus laid down his life for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Sounds like to me, God wants every one of us to have everlasting life. Amen? Amen. Amen. We just uh, celebrate uh, all of our veterans today and all of you who have uh, made the sacrifice to come out and worship with us here at Christian Embassy. Welcome, welcome. This is a part of our fantastic days and we've been celebrating now our friends and our relatives and today our associates. Next Sunday, our neighbors is the friend of the Frantastics. So please uh, make it a point to invite your neighbors for next week. And uh, I'm putting a challenge for all of our uh, Caleb and Morgan's at teen camp. She'll be coming home today, but they have a neighborhood gang uh, in a good sense. And they've got quite a number. I would love to see that front pew filled with uh, their friends next Sunday. Uh, all of Jordan and Andrew and RJ and and uh, Aaron, just get them all here. Caleb, you going, I'm giving you the challenge. Bring our neighbors uh, with you next Sunday as I challenge all of you. Let's do that and let them come and experience the love of God and hear the word of God and, uh, and be touched by the friendship of God in and through each one here because no one here is any higher than anybody else. We are all dirt saved by grace. Amen. You can look around you today and you see some dirt. There's dirt saved by grace, but we have the breath of God in us as He's given us His life to live. And uh, kind of ties in with our message today. Uh, as I was praying, it was, uh, I was taken back to a message that the Lord gave me. It was probably about seven or eight years ago. And, uh, and it was just so pressing on my heart. So I began to restudy that. And, and it's just like, this is what the Lord wants us to hear today. So what we're going to be looking at today is we turn to 1 John 1, 8 and 9. 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Father, we pray by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom and insight and understanding and the ability of application of your word this morning. God, we do not want an intellectual exercise and exchange with your word only. Lord, we want a supernatural, spiritual, life-changing, life-transforming experience here today with your word. For your word is alive. Your word is alive, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Your word is effectual, it's effective. So Lord, we pray that your word would come in us and do a work through us that we could be prepared to go in this week, Lord God, doing that which would be pleasing in your sight and advancing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is our prayer. So Holy Spirit of God, we quench you not. Have your way. Be at liberty in this house, for this is the house of the Lord. And Spirit of God, this is your house. So have your way. Move, minister, 
touch, heal, deliver. Do that which you desire in these next few moments as we give you full uh, uh, control as we serve you, not you serve us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in agreement with that say, Amen. 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 Here in the scripture we read, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you cannot, don't do it, don't go around saying you have never sinned, don't go around saying you've never violated the will of God because the truth is not in you, you are being deceived. So if we do sin, God has a solution for us. He has a way out, and we've all done it, so here's the way out. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins, and not only forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, thank you, Lord. He will expunge your record. He will, cleanse, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, Romans 3 and 23, a very familiar scripture, says, For all have sinned, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. That means the person to your right, the person to your left, if there's anybody in front of you, if there's anybody behind you, we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And in our fallen state, we are prone to sin and make careless decisions that hurt our relationships with God, our relationships with others, and our relationship even with ourselves. We've all fallen short. Anybody in here know what that feels like? Amen. Yes, we do. I remember back, take it back about 10 years ago, and uh, I was uh, told after the service, I didn't know this was going on, but after Sunday school, Pastor Rodica was called into a teacher-parent conference for our little three-year-old Morgan. She's teen camp today, so I can tell the story. She, and I'm not going to embarrass her that she knows about it. <clears throat> And uh, Sister Nancy, I think, was the teacher, and she calls her in, and she says, uh, Pastor Radika, I really need to meet with you. And she says, yes, what is it? She says, is it about your daughter? Really? Yes, uh, and, and it's about uh, something that she uh, asked in the prayer her prayer request time. So what was it? She said, she asked all the kids and me to remember her daddy and to pray for him that he would stop saying bad words. <laughs> <coughs> So Pastor Radika, she comes to my defense and she says, well, I live with him and I never hear him say bad words. I, I wonder what it was. She said, oh, I don't know. She didn't say, but, you know, pastor is a cussing pastor, you know. And uh, so thank God for the wisdom of my wife. She brings Morgan into the room and says, uh, Morgan, you know, you need to clarify and let us know what is it we're praying for for dad? She's like, oh, no, I can't say that. Say, oh, I'll give you permission to say it this one time. What bad words is daddy saying? And uh, she said, Mommy, I can't say it. I'll get in trouble. And so she said, Tell me. She said, Well, I'll whisper it. So she leans over and she whispers in, in Radika's ear and she said, Stupid. <laughs> so Pastor Tim saying the S word. And the S word is stupid. 
And that is true. I did have a rule in the house. I don't want our kids calling each other stupid and, you know, that. I said, that's a bad word. And in a little three-year-old mind, that's a bad word. And here, now all these kids go home and tell their parents that we praying for Pastor Tim to stop cussing. And uh, I don't know how many, uh, where all that went, but nonetheless, we're still here. Uh, (laughs) Well, what I want us to look at today is a message I've entitled, Oops, Stupid Hurts. Oops, Stupid Hurts. And, uh, And how many of you, if you walked up to this vending machine, would be tempted to put some money in? What would you do? Test your stupidity. Insert $100. Now, one of Townsend's first businesses he ever owned was a vending machine, a vending business. And he started with the old crank ones that had the corkscrew things that you had to spin it out. And uh, so, Townsend, here's you an idea right here. And you might get some, some, some money out of that, nonetheless. But <laughs> how many of you have ever done anything stupid? Okay. Webster's Dictionary defines stupid as given to unintelligent decisions or acts, acting in an unintelligent or a careless manner. Some of the synonyms would be airhead, bird brain, bonehead, (laughs) brain dead, brainless, knucklehead. And there's some other synonyms that I can't say or my little daughter will have us in a teacher-parent comment, a, a, a meeting again. So we'll leave those alone. But again, uh, how many of you have done anything stupid? I want you to raise your hand. Keep your hand up. This is therapy. Okay, we're going through therapy right now. Now look around you. While your hands are up, look to your right or left or see if anybody has their hand down. Now, if they, if they have their hand down, they have a problem more serious than you. They're a liar. They are a liar. Okay, you can put your hands down. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my. When I was a teenager, I I don't know why. I I don't claim it to be goodness or anything, but I always was a rule follower. I went through all of high school, all of school and high school, never went to the principal's office uh, or anything like that. And I didn't try that. It's just my nature. I just, I like... I like the rules. I like the road that's paved. It's easier to travel the road that's paved than to try and climb the rocky crags around it and get there at a shorter, harder journey. Uh, if the rules make sense, you know, that's easy to follow. I just, that's me. But uh, I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord, um, things in my household, my dad wasn't a Christian and, and that really offended him. And he basically, long story short, says, you go and let your God take care of you. That's, if you're going to serve God, you go let him take care of you. So the Lord supernaturally took me. I'm still in high school and working at a grocery store as a bag boy. And the next thing you know, they're calling me in, giving me an assistant manager's position with salary and, and uh, a profit sharing and all this stuff, insurance. And then I'm working with some local restaurants and giving them their meat supplies and stuff through my a meat market. And one of them calls me in and gives me half of their restaurant if I'd come over to them. So now within uh, less than six months, I've gone from a bag boy to I have more money than I've ever had in my life. I'm making more money than my parents make and I'm just and and I'm still in high school and it's like wow this is absolutely amazing so this prideful little jerk inside of me said well I'm going to show all of this big town that I live in which was probably under 2,000 the whole thing uh, one two red lights and one of those didn't work all the time so uh, 
I go down to the, the local dealership and I buy a sports car off of the showroom floor. To me, if it was in the building behind the glass, that's, I was going for the best. Now remember, I've got more money than I've ever had. I've got my own place now. I'm renting and I'm doing really good. So I get this car and uh, it's a two-seater and it is fast. Now I'm, I'm getting rid of an old 69 Ford Fairlane with a slant six that probably had 22 horsepower and it would get about 200 miles and I'd stop side the road, pull the spark plugs out, clean the carbon off of them, put them back in to get it going from a Volkswagen to run in like a normal vehicle again to get it another 200 miles. So I'm going from that, which I had to make sure there was no car within a mile away when I pulled out because I could not get up speed uh, to a sports car, five speed that I could burn the rubber. And uh, it brand new, the smell, everything. And I'm still a teenager, dangerous, dangerous. And uh, so... I'm enjoying this, and, but yet I'm a rule keeper, except for one night. And this one night, I'm coming down the uh, uh, 521, and as I'm traveling in a dark part, a car comes up on my bumper. And undoubtedly, it was some young people that wanted to race me because I got this sports car. They didn't know who I was, but they saw the car. And they're like almost running into my back bumper. And I'm thinking it's an emergency, so I'm slowing down so they could pass me, but they never pass me. They slow down. So then I speed up, and they speed up, and then I said, okay, you want to play that? Now, this is when I stepped into stupid, okay? <laughs> and I popped it down, and here we go, and I leave them in the dust. And as I'm looking in the rearview mirror, watching their headlights get smaller and smaller and laughing, I then look and see nothing but blue lights, and it is not Kmart blue light special. And I've got three patrol cars. I don't know where they came from, but they think I am in flight and they're going to have fun because they were bored out on these country roads. They run me down, run me off the road, throw me over the hood of the car and they pat me down, throw me in the back of the car and scream at me and call me every name you could imagine. And I'm trying to explain them what happened and they tell me, quite frankly, shut up, shut up. If we'd have left up to you, you'd have killed somebody. Left up to you, you'd have killed yourself. Shut up. And they throw me in the back of the car and they've taken me to uh, the, the police department, to headquarters, the jail. And uh, so here I am, the guy that never went to the principal's office. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to make a mark, let's make a big one, you know. And uh, <laughs> then I'm being hauled off to jail. And, I'm, and, uh, and so they take me to jail and then they begin to discuss, you know, that you don't have any records, you have nothing, you, all this stuff. Is, so we're going we're to work with you. We're going to not make this a reckless charge. We're not going to make this racing and all this. We're just going to have a fine. You need to pay $100. We'll let you go. And uh, so I go through all my wallet and all my little caveats that I have money. And I had $97. And they're like, it's $100 or you've you got to stay tonight. And I said, will you take a check? And they laugh. They laugh. And I thought checks were good, but they laugh. They said, yeah, really? You think we're going to take a, a check from you? So I had to call, but I didn't call my dad. I called my granddad on my mom's side. And I said, Pop, it's after midnight. They go to bed at 11.30. When the news was over 11.30, they went to bed. That's how it worked always, never any exchange. So after midnight, I know he's already asleep. And, but I called him and I said, Pop, this is Tim. And he said, yeah, what in the world are you calling me this late for? And I said, well, I'm, 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 I'm at the jailhouse. And he laughed, yeah, right, you. Now, your brother Jim, maybe, but not you. I said, Pop, I'm not lying. I'm at the jailhouse, and I need $100. Actually, I only need $3 to get out of here. $3? What did you do, jaywalk? I said, no, no, I, I got to have $100. I only have $97. I'm $3 short. 
And uh, so he laughed. He said, are you really there? And I said, yes. He said, where at? And I asked them. They said, such and such Merriman Road. I still remember it. It's still, I still need therapy. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> so I said, yes, sir. It's such and such Merriman Road. He says, that's where the sheriff's office is or the police department. I said, that's where I'm at. He said, okay. So about 20 minutes later, he comes in and he's laughing, walking through the door. And he says, y'all don't know, but this is squeaky, squeaky clean Tim, this, they call me another nickname. I'm not going to tell you what that was because then you'll call me. So it wasn't Tim, but he used the nickname. And he says, this guy's never done anything wrong. This is so cool. And I'm like, Pop, stop it. You know, he said, I think I'm going to let y'all keep him. He had $3. He said, no, I think I'm going to let y'all keep him. And they knew him and he knew them. So long story short, I did get out. They didn't lock me up. They didn't fingerprint me. I don't have a record, praise God. But in a matter of seconds, in a matter of seconds from popping the clutch and gearing it down and hitting the gas, I went from the guy who didn't have a record to being slammed on a hood, uh, patted down, backseat of a patrol car, in the police station about to be locked up just because I did something stupid. Let me tell you what, there's a sin nature in every one of us. And if we are not careful, we will allow that sin nature to cause us to do, say, act or not do something that can affect the rest of our lives. So if all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen, we've fallen short. Let me tell you what. I say if that's something inevitable for all of us, let's learn some lessons along the way. Amen? So I want us to look at some lessons learned. And the first one is this. If you make a mistake, if you sin, if you fall short, be responsible. Be responsible. I was telling the men at the men's uh, advance a couple of weeks ago, we got to learn to man up. And for you women, you got to learn to woman up, if we can say it that way. we got to take responsibility. Look at what the Scripture says in Proverbs 28 and 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper. If you hide it, if you cover it, you may, man may not ever see it, but God sees it. What are you doing today that is displeasing to God? Even if no one has caught you, even if no one knows about it, God knows. And if you cover it up, God says you're not going to prosper. So he says following that, if you will confess your sin, but whoever confesses and forsakes, you'll not only just confess it, you've got to forsake it. You've got to turn your back on what was wrong. You've got to turn your back on what is displeasing to God. You will have mercy. There's mercy flowing from heaven today. There's a river of mercy that will begin to flood your dry place in life and bring you refreshing from God if you will confess your sin to Him and forsake your sin and not cover it up. Take responsibility. Amen. Now, I know our nature is we want to lash out around others or lash out to others around us or we want to blame others. What, what happened when God came to Adam? Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. It's the woman's fault. He goes to the woman. It's the snake you created. So ultimately, it's your fault, God. And we, we've got our sin nature wants to blame others. You've got to learn to take responsibility. There are two responses that are normal, uh, and I pray you choose one over the other, but two responses are normal when we do something stupid. The first one is, if you're not careful, you want to run from it. You want to hide. You want to cover it up. And uh, Adam and Eve, they go and hide themselves behind the tree, hide themselves behind fig leaves. They're trying to hide themselves from God. But let me tell you what, there's an old saying that says, when you mess up, fess up. 
When you mess up, fess up. Confession is where change of heart begins. But then you've got to forsake. You've got to repent. You've got to turn from it. You can't keep going down the same path. So don't run from your responsibility. Run to God and be responsible. Or the second thing we see people would do, and this is what I pray you will do, is learn from it. Learn from it. If you'll take responsibility, you will learn from the mistakes you've made. I've learned now that when you are on the the highway, pay attention to the speed limit signs. I was recently, been here 25 years. Somebody knows my pain. I heard you right there. Stupid hurts. Uh, Last year, I was uh, traveling down Centerville Turnpike, going out to Northwest River Park for a church picnic. Man, this is all godly, right? I should have had the angels riding with me, singing hallelujah. But I'm, for some reason or other, I'm used to traveling Mount Pleasant. The speed limit's a little higher there. And I'm not breaking a bad speed limit, but I'm breaking the speed limit on Centerville Turnpike down here going through the country. And a Mustang, an unidentified uh, Mustang comes behind me with blue lights again. Took me back to when I was 17. I I fell on the hood and I spread my legs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I I had my, uh, I actually had my cruise control set. And I'm like, what in the world is the problem? So they come up and they said, you're breaking the speed limit. I said, I had my cruise control set. Well, you had it set, breaking the speed limit. I said, oh, I didn't know. Well, ignorance of the law is no excuse. So I get my first ticket in 25 years. I get my first ticket. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe it. And I have a friend that's a judge and uh, here in Chesapeake. And we're prayer partners, and, and, and I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't find out about this. Because just last week, I, the Lord prompted me to pray for him, and I'm always sending him stuff, but I just said, the Lord just said, I don't know if you've got a case you're going through or whatever, but the Lord said he's given you wisdom. He said, did you see my vehicle? And I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, I'm right in front of your church. I said, well, I'm not even at the church. And uh, so we've got this, it's more of a spiritual friendship relationship and I'm like oh man I hope judge so-and-so doesn't find out about this but he's dealing with uh, these criminal cases maybe he'll know about traffic court so I go into the courtroom on my day and they say all rise for the honorable judge and they call his name and I'm like oh no so I look for the woman with the biggest hairdo and I go and I get behind her And then they said, you can be seated. And I'm sitting behind the hairdo. And I said, if I can't see him, hopefully he can't see me. And then he says, I'm going to do something. I don't think I've ever done this before. But we're going to switch the alphabet around today. And for you who have, you know, your your alphabet, your name comes in the latter part of the alphabet. You're used to waiting a long time. Well, today's your day. So he said, everybody from M to Z, come on up and line up. So the M disease line up, and boy, it was quite a line of them. And they're giving their sad stories and all that stuff they're saying. And, 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 and we're seeing that go through. Then he says, now everybody from A to L come and line up. Now, I'm Lambert, so it put me at the end. I've never been at the end like that, but that's okay. And I'm hiding behind this real tall guy. And I'm like, and if he moved, I moved. And uh, not thinking that maybe he saw the roster of who was in his court that day. And this setup is set up for me. But nonetheless, we get, I'm the last one. And while I'm standing there, he waits till everybody that was in front of me has already got their stuff and out of the courtroom. And he's just staring at me. And I'm just looking down at the floor. I can't make eye contact. And I'm like, I cannot believe this. I, the, the one person I did not want to know, I'm standing before him. 
I said, maybe he, you know, I don't want to bring any shame to the church or to the kingdom of God. Maybe, maybe nobody will know who, maybe he won't even act like he knows me. And then he says, Pastor Lambert. It was up, it was over. And I'm like, your honor. And um, the good news is he, he says, okay, you had a, a vehicle, you know, calculation problems or whatever it's called. Uh, uh, he says, calibration, you know, so there's default equipment. You know, we're going to uh, reduce it to this if it's okay with you, officer. And the officer who was so, wouldn't give me a break, stared me down, act like she wanted to, to beat me up, you know, because she was like, man, I... You're, you set your cruise control to break the speed limit in my city? You know, and I'm like, and she just started smiling. She says, he was really kind, uh, your honor, and I'll go along with anything you suggest. And I was like, wow. So he says, okay, I have to, I'm going to charge you faulty equipment and court fee and all that. So it still cost me something, but no points, you know, that way. So when I left, I left and went and paid the clerk and uh, clerk's office and when I drove off and then I got a call and he says, he says, Pastor, I'm so sorry I had to do that. He said, but it was fun. <laughs> and I said, for you, you see thousands of these cases all the time. For me, it's been 25 years. I mean, so I told him my story about 17 and spread across the hood. And I said I was going to never, ever, I was going to learn and never do that again. And here I was all these years later there again. And he says, just pay attention to the speed limit. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, you want to learn. So now I'm always, I don't care if it's familiar turf, I'm looking for the speed limit. And if it says 35, I'm setting it for 35. You know, I'm watching I, because I don't, I don't want to go back to court, right? So you can learn from it. So it's very important to be responsible. The second thing, a lesson learned, is we need to be humble. We need to be humble. It was the pride in me that was hiding behind the woman with the big poofy hair. It was the pride in me that was hiding behind the tall gentleman. Didn't want anybody to see that I have too fallen short of the glory of God and, and, and made this uh, violation. But to be humble, and there as I stood before this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, judge and him showing me mercy and the, and the officer showing me mercy in the way it was, I said, you know what? Humility is the best way to go. James 4 and 10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Man, when you try to fix it yourself, when you try to hide it, when you try to deny it, when you try to blame someone else for it, you cause God's hands to be tied in helping you out. I don't know about you, but I've had others try and help me out in life and at their best effort, it still came short. But when I've had God reach in His hand in my life, saving me from imminent death, and in so many cases in my life I've seen the hand, God's hand is faithful. And if we will humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, we give Him an opening to bring His hand of power and His hand of provision and His hand of love into our lives to lift us up out of that very situation. I'm telling you, there's two books that are being written about your life. The one that you 
had hoped would, this would be your life. You had want, these were your dreams. This was your vision. This was your desire. And then the actual uh, day-to-day of your life. And if you compare those diaries side by side, I guarantee you every one of us would say what is we're walking out day by day is not lining up with our ideals that we had had as we were coming into this life. But the good news is, as we look at the shortcomings and we look at our sin and we look at the times that we've made such terrible mistakes that have kept us from fulfilling that diary, the good news is this, that there's God still on the throne and God is still in the scene. And if we will bring God into our lives, there's still life, so there's still another chapter that can be written and the latter can be greater than the former if we will put God in the center of it. Hallelujah. Amen. So we definitely want to humble ourselves before the Lord. The third thing is that we need to be prayerful. This is a lesson learned. Be prayerful. When you do something stupid in life, and all of you raised your hands, I know you have, every one of you, and you've made a mistake, and maybe you have violated the will of God and, and not fulfilled the desire of God for you, come to God in prayer. Don't run from God, but run to God. Say that to yourself. I need to run to God. I need to run to God. My prayer is my declaration of my dependence on God. So when I pray, I'm saying, God, I'm depending on you. God, I'm trusting you. I'm over my head and I don't have the answers and I'm confused and I don't have the strength and I need wisdom and you, God, are the one that can provide all of this. See, prayer is me going to the source that is greater than anything I've ever, ever been challenged with and that source is God. James says in James 5 and 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. But look what he says here. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, how are we going to be made righteous? We come to God, we confess our sin, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So He then makes us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus so that our prayers, fervently prayed, they are effective. They are effective. We are the connection point or the contact point here on earth to bring forth the release of everything God has provided in heaven for us. I remember the story with Elijah. If you remember back in the day, it says that God had made this decree. God says, in this covenant, if you worship other gods, I will cause the heavens to dry up and your crops will fail and you will be, your businesses will die, your food supply will die, you'll be in a bad position. He says, I do not put up with idolatry. But if you will repent and tear down the false gods, I will open the heavens and rain blessings upon you that you may prosper. Now God had said that in covenant. Now it comes to a day when Ahab is the king and the nation of the people of God are set up other gods to the Baals and to the Asherah poles and they're worshiping other gods and nothing is happening until... Elijah says, God, 
I pray that the heavens would be closed off as this idolatrous nation has turned their back on you. And it will not rain again until that changes. Now he prayed that, which came in alignment with what God's decree already was. So there was a contact point on earth that brought the will of God in heaven on earth. And the heavens were dried up. And the Bible tells us for three and a half years, it did not rain. I'm telling you what, they were a stubborn people. To go with business decline and food supply decline and all of the suffrage they had to go through from year one to year two to year three, there was a hard-hearted people and hard-headed. But it finally gets the attention of the king that we've got to have help. And Elijah comes before him and says, I can bring you help, but this is how it's going to come. We've got to address the idolatry problem. And Ahab says, what do you mean? He says, I'll do a challenge. Remember Mount Carmel? You bring your prophets there and let them see if their God can bring down fire to consume the sacrifice. And whichever God can consume the sacrifice with fire, let that be the God the nation worships. And the, and the Mount Carmel uh, standoff came and Ahab brings the 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah and these 850 prophets are there and there they are cutting themselves and they are they're in you know, all kinds of incantations and everything they could do to try and get their gods to act to bring fire to consume the sacrifice and nothing happened. But then Elijah, if you'll remember, he says, I pray to the God of the true God, the one God, the only God of heaven and earth, send the fire. And the fire came and consumed not only the sacrifice that was on the offering, but uh, altar, but the altar and the water and everything else just licked it up. And the 400 prophets of, uh, of Baal and the 450 prophets of Asherah were destroyed. So idolatry was dealt with, sin was confessed, and it was dealt with. Now the doors open for the hand of God to come in and to lift them up out of their pain. But it needed a prayer. So what does Elijah do? He takes his servant, he goes on the mountaintop, and he begins to pray. You remember the story? And he prays one time, and he says, tell me, uh, servant, what do you see? And his servant says, uh, uh, you know, Lord, I, uh, sir, I only see blue sky. What we've seen for three and a half years. But Elijah knew what I'm teaching you today. That prayer is the point of contact on earth that can open the heavens if it lines up with the will of God. So he keeps praying two, three, four, five, six times. Sir, I see nothing. And then the seventh time he comes back, he said, what do you see? He says, I see a cloud. What was it? The size of what? A man, hand, man's hand. What is it that comes in and begins to lift us up? The hand of God begins to lift us up. Elijah knew he had made his point of contact through prayer and what God said, if you will deal with the idolatry, I'll open the heavens and I'll rain blessings upon you that you can't even contain. What did Elijah do? He tells his servant, go tell Ahab to get his chariot off of the hill. There are mudslides coming. There are things that they have not seen in three and a half years. They thought that these would never happen again. It's coming. The rain is coming. Hallelujah. So we must confess our trespasses and, and pray for one another so that we can get the healing power and virtue of God flowing in us and in our land because it's the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. Your, your prayer is the very thing that is the point of contact on earth to open up the heavens to bring forth the manifest of the atonement work of Jesus Christ here on this earth. 
We must be a praying people, but understand how to pray and why we pray. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Next thing, we need to be teachable. Boy, this is an important one. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, God says. My people, he didn't say the heathen, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. He said, I will also reject you. Wow. So the most important question when you mess up is, what did I learn? What did I learn? So, so the definition of learning, uh, you know, what uh, is a change of behavior. So if you've truly learned something, you're not going to keep doing what you were doing. You change your mind. You change your walk. You change your talk. You change your decision. You change your path. Your path. Are you teachable? If you are, you will change and align yourselves up to the truths of the revelation and the illumination that God brings. And when we have a teachable moment, remember this. Every one of us are one step from losing everything we ever worked for. I was one step from having an accident, whether a deer ran out or whether a dog ran out or whether I, uh, somebody was dry, pulling out of their driveway late that night and me running that sports car as fast as it would go. I was just one second or less than a second from death. I was doing a very foolish thing. I was violating the very law of the land. And I was doing that out of a prideful, uh, kind of a, a, a pompous attitude that I've got something better than you. I'm going to show you who can go the fastest on this road. I was steps at 17 years old from losing everything. Someone who had almost died through a suicide attempt just months before that where the hand of God saved my life, now I'm being careless. I'm being careless. And no hand came through the top of the roof of my car to save me night, that night, night, but the hands of, what, six or eight officers got laid on me that night. You must be teachable and understand that life is so precious and it is so important. I say it's time we sober up and realize that there really isn't any playground for living a careless life. That we need to live our lives on purpose. We need to leave, live our lives careful and we need to live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Amen? Because it is so, so very important. Another thing, as I was teachable, I, I learned to stop being judgmental. Man, let me tell you what, it's easy for us to pass judgment on others. It's so easy for us to try and take the pole out of somebody else, I mean the speck out of somebody else's eye, say what they can't do, what they're not doing right, what they should change, when we got a telephone pole in our own eye. Not that we're not to help others, but God says first, humble yourself first. You need to take the pole out of your own eye. Take that plank out of your eye so that you can help assist someone get a speck out of their eye. Boy, I was standing in that courtroom and I was very humbled and I'm like, man, I'm not going to, if I see somebody come out of a courtroom or somebody tell me they had to go to court, I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm not going to say, oh man, they must be evil. They're these evil lawbreakers because here I am right here with all of them. Right here looking on the board to see which courtroom I'm in, right with everybody else. And I learned my lesson. I'm not to go around passing judgment. But I'm to humble myself and pass an offer to them what God does and what God has for us when we do fall. You know, I want to share a couple of funny stories for you. Nobody laughed in the first service, so I hope you will actually be more awake than them and help me out. 
Because these come straight from the horse's mouth. I promise you. Okay. One day I was walking down the beach with my friends and one of them shouted, Look at the dead bird! And someone looked up in the sky and said, Where? My friend has this life-cutting, a saving tool that will cut through a seat belt in case they're in a crash and are ever trapped and they keep it in the trunk. <laughs> Once I got off of my plane as we landed at the airport and I couldn't find my luggage there at the carousel, so I went to the luggage department and I told the woman uh, that I came in from such and such uh, a city and such and such airport and I've looked and all the carousel bags have been picked up off the carousel and my bags are not there. They never show, showed up. And she smiled and she told me not to worry because she had trained, you know, had, uh, she was a trained professional and their whole staff were very trained professionals and we were in good, I was in good hands. And I said, great. And then she asked me, has your plane arrived yet? Straight from the horse's mouth. <laughs> be teachable, be teachable. Number four, <laughs> help us, Lord. Uh, the next one I want to look at is uh, be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful. Be grateful for what? When you do stupid things, what are you going to be grateful for? Well, you need to be grateful if you turn to God that God won't turn away from you. Amen. Amen. He is not going to turn His back on you no matter how stupid a thing you've ever done. And you know what? You will also find that your friends will come to your rescue as well. They may be laughing at you, but they'll come offer help. My pop walked in with the $3 saying keep him, but he was there to help me. Okay. And you will be the joke of their stories forever. But be grateful because, let me tell you what, God will not forsake you. God will never fail you. I want to tell you a few things that will never fail. From straight from the Bible here. God tells us these things will never fail and I'm grateful for them today. First off, he says his word will never fail us. His word. Look what he says there. Not one. Say it. Say that. Not one. That means all of them, not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed, is what God told Joshua. Not one. And he makes the same promise to you and to me today. And there's people we love, they'll fail us. And I know that there are family members that said they would be with us and they failed us. And maybe I failed your expectations and maybe I've disappointed you. And as your pastor, I've failed you. But I'm here to tell you God's word will never fail you. You can depend on God's Word. You can hold on to God's Word. You can build your life on God's Word. You can build your career on God's Word. You can raise your family on God's Word. And God will not fail His Word. Not one of His good promises will He withhold from you. Hallelujah. Another thing that will not fail is God's compassions. Put a plural on that. God's compassions. God has compassions that will not fail you. He says, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Hallelujah! 
Our God is a faithful God in His compassions. Let me tell you what, He cares more about you and the pain that you're going through. He cares more about you and the setup than the setback and the heartbreak and the pain that you're going through than you would ever imagine. He is a compassionate God and His compassions will not fail you. Every morning when you get up, you can sing a song of praise. Great is thy faithfulness because He is there before you and His compassions will not fail you another thing that will not fail the Bible says is what we do for the Lord what we do for God Jesus said Matthew 6 and 20 lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt let me tell you what when you do something don't do it as unto man when you give into the ministry don't give as unto man when you give of your service and time don't give as unto man when you serve in the marketplace, don't, get, don't do it as unto man. When you run your business, don't run that business as unto man. You do everything that you do as unto the Lord. And what you do for the Lord, God says, I'm keeping record. record and there is a, an interest-bearing account that is going to go throughout eternity to bring forth a, a blessing to you. So what you do, do it as unto God, and it will never fail. So use your time. Use your talents. Use your treasures for the advancement of His kingdom and His glory. There's another thing that we find that never fails, and that is eternal life will not fail. Eternal life will not fail. You can count on that. John 10, 28, I give unto them eternal life, Jesus says. They shall never perish. Never, 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 never. When Jesus says never, I believe He means never. Neither shall any man pluck you out of My hand. Eternal life is given to us by God. There ain't no devil can take our eternal life. There's no man can take our eternal life. I'm here to tell you we need to serve Him and honor Him and love Him and bless Him and praise Him and worship Him and live for Him every day of our lives because He is the only one that can give us an eternal life blessed in His presence forevermore. The Bible tells us there's another thing that never fails and that is love. Love. Love never fails, the Bible says. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The agape love of God never fails. No matter what you have done, no matter where you're at today, you may say, well, I've done something so atrocious that God could never love me. I'm telling you that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You said, I've done something so atrocious that it has set back mankind in a terrible way. That may be true, and there may be recompense for that, but let me tell you what that will not turn the love of God away from you. The love of God will reach into the depth of the, of the most rancid place of mankind in sin, and the love of God will redeem you there if you'll receive it. I'm telling you, sin should not be your friend. You should turn your back on sin. You should reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, the Bible says. Don't take that old saying that I grew up with in the religious circles that every day we're going to sin in word, thought, and deed. Throw that lie into the pit of hell because that's an excuse. The Bible says, reckon yourself indeed dead unto sin. 
Yes, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We were born with the Adamic nature. But let me tell you what, we have the gift of eternal life in and through Jesus Christ. And we have the gift of His Holy Spirit who come in and will strengthen us and give us a sanctifying power to rise up and say yes to God and no to the devil. If you can say, no, I will not take a gun and murder someone, you can say, no, I will not take a lie and speak it forth. You can do the same with the same will and the same power. So don't excuse yourself. Say, without holiness, no man shall see God, the Bible says. Now I know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, so to be in right standing with God, Christ has provided that as our relationship is right with Christ. But and He's also said we have a responsibility as we walk as sons and daughters of God to allow the power of the Spirit of God and His sanctification to help us to say no to unrighteousness and yes to righteousness, no to that which displeases God and yes to that which pleases God. But no matter where you are in life, if you want to right your wrong, you can know that God's love is extended unto you And if you will receive his act of love and you will confess your sin and receive his forgiveness, the hand of God in your humble uh, heart will come in and begin to promote you and bring you up out of that dark place. What does the scripture say? He lifted me up out of the miry clay, out of the pit which held me there to stay. Let me tell you what, sin is not your friend. Sin will cost you more than you were ever ever willing to pay. It will hold you longer than you were ever desired ever to stay. And let me tell you what, it will cost you so much pain and so much loss that you would wish you could go back and redo it all over again. The best thing to do is say no to the devil and yes to the Lord. Amen. And then my final point here is God does not fail. God does not fail. I don't care how big the devil tries to make himself look. The devil's a peacock. He's not not much bigger than a turkey, not much bigger than a big, big bacon hen, but boy, he'll fluff up all those feathers and try to make you think he's a whole lot more than he is. Let me tell you what, the devil can do that And he can make us think that he is in charge of this world today. And he is running uh, the the, the nations of the world today. But let me tell you why. God is still on the throne. And we've read the end of the book and we know who wins. And we're going to stay on the winning team, right? We're not going to compromise and we're not going to give in and we're not going to become like the world. We're going to say our God never fails and we're going to stand strong with Him. We're going to stand with righteousness. We're going to stand with purity. We're going to stand with truth and we're going to stand with honor. Amen. Because our God never fails. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not for the Lord thy God. He will not fail. The Bible says He will not fail nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. Right before World War II, when Japan was invading northern China, there was this missionary teacher. She, her name was Gladys Allward. 
And she was there in the northern Chinese uh, foothills and had an orphanage there, about a hundred little kids, little hundred orphans that she was ministering to and teaching and trying to provide for. But when Japan's coming in to invade northern China there, they, they tell them, you've got to go, you've got to go. This is a very dangerous place. So she takes those children and she tries to go across the mountain range, uh, which seemingly was impassable, in order to get to the other side. And after several days of taking the children there and there's no food and there's nowhere to hide and, and, and the, the terrain is just so rough, it's so treacherous, it's so hard, she breaks down, she tells in her story, and she starts talking to the oldest of the orphans. There was this young girl there that was the oldest, the most spiritual. And she just starts crying and she starts just telling this girl, I can't make it. I, I, don't, see, I don't see how we can make it. And that little girl, she stands up to Miss Allward and she says, just think about Moses. Think about how God helped Moses take the Israelites from uh, Egypt through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. Think about Moses and how he helped them cross over. And Miss Allward said, honey, that sounds such, so good. That's such a good story. But I'm not Moses. Honey, I'm just an old lady. I'm not Moses. And the little girl, as she wrote in her journal, she, she says, the little girl replied, Miss Albert, I know you're not Moses, but I know that God is still God. And she said, when that little girl said that, she said, that word of truth opened up her spirit and the Holy Ghost of heaven came in. And she said, as David had the strength to go and face Goliath, and as Daniel had the strength to face those uh, lions in the lion's den, and as those three Hebrew children had the strength to walk into that fiery furnace, uh, she said, I had the strength that I was going to take these children to safety because God is still God. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God is still God. And no matter where you are, what you're going through, if you'll turn to Him, and if there's sin between you and Him, confess it before Him. Repent of it before Him. Turn your back on that sin and turn your face to God and be thankful that God, He is going to reach in. He's going to help lift and bring you up out of wherever you're at. Hallelujah. He says, if we say we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we stand in your presence this day. Lord God, I don't know the circumstances and the situations in the details for each and every one here under the sound of my voice, but you do. And Lord God, you have given us a word today that your hand is ready to reach in and to begin to lift us up. Your hand is ready to reach in and begin to rescue. Your hand is ready to reach in and to bring strength and to bring provision and to bring power and to bring wisdom, Lord God. Lord, we need your hand lifting us. We need your hand steadying us. We need your hand of promotion. But you said we must first, we must first confess to you. Confess our sin to you. So Spirit of the living God, I ask you now, as I pray everyone under the sound of my voice would do, and ask the Spirit of God,
Show me, Lord. Show me, God. Is there any ill? Is there any darkness? Is there any disobedience? Is there any sin? Is there any missing of the mark that is standing between me and you today? Show it to me. Ask the Spirit of God, who is the Spirit of light and the Spirit of illumination, to show you. Say, God, I want to know. Is there anything standing between you and me? And now as He shows that to you, you've got to repent. You've got to confess, God, I'm so sorry. God, I don't want to dishonor you. God, I don't want to be displeasing to you. God, I don't want to in any way bring harm on your kingdom. I am so sorry, God. And turn. The Bible says repent. Turn. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from that sin. Turn. Say, I changed my mind. I will no longer continue doing this, saying this, or not doing this, or not saying this, or not giving this, or giving this. Whatever it is, I turn from that. I change my mind, and I'm leaving here, this service, going into my mission field in proper alignment with you, God. Lord, I'm so sorry. Just tell Him, I'm so sorry, God. I failed you. I have not lived up to what you've called me to do. I've made vows that I've not kept. I've made promises that I've violated. I have, I have been sinning in secret, Lord. And you see it. You show me. You see it. Lord, I turn from that. I change my mind. I, I repent now. And I turn to you. And I declare, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Come on, say that out with me if you would. Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Come on, say, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Hallelujah. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, meaning that He now rules our life, we surrender all to Him. And believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So we just said, Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I surrender all to you. But now let's say, I believe that God has raised you from the dead and that you are alive. Now come live in me and live through me for your glory, for your honor. And for your praise, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together.